0: considering categories of sorrow on this edition of truth and love i'm dale johnson and you're listening to truth and love a podcast of the association of certified biblical counselors where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face And as always, I am glad to have with me Dr. Nicholas Ellen. So many of you know Dr. Ellen and his wonderful teaching through ACBC and and many other venues as well. He's actually a two-time doctor. Uh, He has a doctor of ministry from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and he has a PhD from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And that's where I got to know Dr. Ellen, and what a great thing that was. Thankful for the providence of the Lord and getting to know him a little bit, and just really enjoyed the relationship with him. tell you a little bit more about him. He is a professor at the College of Biblical Studies in Houston and also at Central Baptist Theological Seminary, helping them with their MABC, which is fully accredited as well up in Plymouth, Minnesota. He's a pastor of the Community of Faith. Bible Church down in the Houston metro area. And this is a faithful brother. So grateful for him and his work and the times that we get to spend together. And today we're going to talk a little bit about sorrow. What a misunderstood topic, right? Especially in our culture in the way the culture thinks about it. But but let's not like pass off all the difficulties to the culture, right? I mean, we struggle to understand this aspect even in the church. And so Nick, I'm so grateful that you're here to to help us to consider you know, all these ideas about sorrow and and maybe to give us some good, healthy biblical categories. So so let's start here. Is there only one category of sorrow? Some people get confused about that. So so help us to understand that. Well, Dale,
1: thank you again, brother, for allowing me to be able to be here with you. Mm. When I was studying the scripture, I discovered that the Bible unfolds for us six basic categories of sorrow. So there's more dimensions to sorrow than we have paid attention to. And and doing that research and finding out and studying the scriptures and then understanding it, it's been helpful for me as I'm working with people in counseling as a pastor or in any situation, just to be able to distinguish the types of sorrow the person's experiencing to identify the best course of action to serve them.
0: No, that's great. So we think about different categories. Sometimes we have a miss understanding, I think, of of just trying to, you know, lump all those things into one. So it's good to know that the Bible speaks about these things in much more depth right in in, in Absolutely. more of 3D than than sort of what we think about as being one dimensional and that i think that speaks a wonderful testimony about the scriptures in to the way in which god understands the the depth of the human heart and those different dimensions and the specificity even with which he deals with the depth and breadth of our sorrows so so how should we deal with those different categories of sorrow
1: well let's let's break them down and i think once we break them down and it's From what I've discovered just in looking at it, it is so uh, I don't want to call it simplistic, Mm. but simple to where once we understand it, I think it, you know, practically as Christians, we can begin to see how to appropriate it with people. Mm. The first category of sorrow we call is common sorrow. And that's basically one having a sadness of soul due to experiencing uh, disappointments in life, difficulties in life, the death of a loved one, but there's no corresponding sin with it. So in other words, this is a sorrow where this person is not walking in sin and they're experiencing this deep, deep hurt as a result of these things. But here's the thing. If that person doesn't embrace the sovereignty of God or the wisdom of God or the love of God, if they don't accept what God allows, then they move into the second category of sorrow, which is what we call chosen sorrow. Chosen sorrow is where we start to grumble and complain. And so with the common sorrow, I'm sad about these things that have happened But I haven't embraced God's will. I haven't accepted what he's allowed. I haven't identified how I can grow through and not just go through. And so I grumble. Grumbling and complaining uh, is a sin because then it's, again, my sadness of soul is because of my grumbling and complaining. I don't like what God has allowed. I don't like what people are doing. I'm not accepting the difficulties. And so if I don't repent of that grumbling and complaining, well, that leads to a third category of sorrow we call conscience sorrow. This is where our conscience bears witness with the sin and begins to produce a sorrow from guilt as a result of the grumbling and complaining. So, you know, if you think about it, Dale, you've got common sorrow. If I don't embrace God well, I have chosen sorrow, which then leads to a conscience sorrow. So sorrow on top of sorrow on top of sorrow, where the first one, we just need to come alongside an individual, where the other two, we need to help them acknowledge that. It's not what's happened to you that's causing you to have this grief. It's how you're choosing to respond and how we need to come alongside. But from those three, we move into the others. And the other two are fairly interesting because once you move into conscious sorrow, you can go one of two ways. You can go into what we call casualty sorrow. And this is what 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 is talking about, which is worldly sorrow leading to death. Casualty sorrow is I'm sad because I have regrets. Mm-hmm over what's happened. You know, I know I'm wrong, but I'm not really focused on how I've sinned against God, dishonored him and others. I'm just consumed with what can happen to me. And with casualty sorrow, we call it that because the person, if they don't deal with their sin, sin leads to death. Mm. Or the person can move into what we call the fifth category is contrite sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7 talks about godly sorrow producing this thing of repentance. And so uh, if you notice the progression, we start with the common then there's chosen, then there's conscience. We either move into casualty sorrow, where we have regret and feel sorry, or contrite, where we're broken and want to make things right. And then the sixth category is mutually exclusive. This is what we see in the Bible, chastisement sorrow. That's the Hebrews 12, where no discipline for the moment seems joyful, but afterwards it produces a peaceable fruit of righteousness. And basically a sorrow that is happening as a result of the chastening of God but making you, if you will, perfect in righteousness or being perfected in righteousness according to his will. So Dale, as I've looked at the scripture, you got those six. You've got the common, then there's the chosen, then there's the conscience, then there's either casualty or contrite sorrow, and then chastisement sorrow.
0: Man, these are really helpful and for us to have a a backdrop biblically speaking on how to understand people in what they're experiencing. This is what the the biblical counseling is really all about, is we have the backdrop of Scripture. We're not denying a person's experience, but we can see then in these multi-dimensions the beauty of the Scripture and the way that it speaks to this person's experiences. I, I tell people all the time, Nick, that the Bible explains our experiences better than any other system that exist, And I think this is a great demonstration of that, the depth of sorrow and the different ways in which we experience that type of sorrow. Now, you mentioned something that I'm not going to let us get away with here, okay? You said, we fear simplicity. I want to talk about that just a second sure. because I think... You know, in our world right now, we, we have this elevation of science. We fear simplicity. But, but I, I think what's happening is thinking ourselves wise, we have become absolutely foolish. And in so many ways, we fear the simplicity and the beauty of what God has given us in His Word. And we have a tendency to run headlong after so much that's out in the world to, to make ourselves feel like we're in, uh, intelligent or intellectual, to make ourselves feel like we have to make the, the Bible and the teaching of Scripture more palatable to those who are outside. And that sort of leads me to this next question, okay? We shouldn't fear simplicity. I think we should embrace the beauty of Scripture and not be afraid or feel like we have to make this sound appropriate to anyone outside. We have to be faithful to what God says and ministering appropriately. So, so part of this draw comes with us feeling, how do we deal with those, yes, Christians, the Bible applies, but how do we deal with those who are who are not Christians? And sometimes we have this tendency to say, well, I've got to make it sound like intellectual for them. So the question is, how in the world do we help apply these categories of sorrow? Do we just apply them to Christians or do we apply these to all people?
1: Well, I know I've been able to practically apply it to all people and basically use this either as an instrument to guide people to the gospel of Jesus Christ through helping them see these categories and with those who are believers to show how this is part of their progressive sanctification. But the beauty of this, too, Dale, is that I've noticed someone who's been raped, who's been molested, who's been abused or misused. Part of this for me is to sit down and say, you know, a terrible thing has happened to you. And, you know, we don't want to rush past that. You know, we want to weep with you because this is terrible. But I want you to think about in the depths of all of this depravity that you have experienced. Let's categorize the sorrow you're going through right now so I can help you grow through it. That's right. And this becomes a process to say, and I walk through this and then I show them the different passages for each category. And then the goal becomes, now, given this, tell me what you see. And in many cases, People can see where they've gone from the common sorrow, where there's no sin and tied to it, to the other categories. And then we say, well, then how do we work this through? How do we deal with the fact that you've been victimized and lead you to be victorious so that we deal with what you can and cannot control in this and have the appropriate sorrow? But whether the sorrow has gone beyond appropriate to move you towards peace by the true confession, repentance, and replacement with the power of God. And so it's been a wonderful tool to use in that context.
0: I love it because so much so we try to feel like we need to improve upon the things that God has given us. And I love how you're, you're very cautious of, of doing that. And you're just trusting that what God has revealed is going to be helpful to somebody. And it's fun when you see a person understand what you're saying they find themselves directly in the pages of scripture and it may, it helps them to make sense of their life no matter how desperate and difficult so this often this topic often makes us think of of things even beyond sorrow or what creates this sorrow in us and and we have a tendency certainly to think about what our culture describes as depression or depressive feeling so relate this or connect this if you can to this phenomena of depression
1: one of the things that i find and and i want to Really encourage any individual to get my good brother's book, Rethinking Depression, by Daniel Berger II. I think he's done a great job. And one of the things that these categories of sorrow show us is that when a person is depressed, the the three top categories of depression are guilt, deep sorrow, and hopelessness. Well, when you look at these categories of sorrow, there will not be hopelessness or deep guilt where there's common sorrow. There may be some. Sadness, but when you start to see guilt and hopelessness, they've gone from common sorrow to chosen sorrow and conscience sorrow, which means now there's sin involved, and the conscience is kicked in. And so at that point, I believe from we can see this in an individual depression starts when the person moves from common sorrow to chosen sorrow. At that point, they've made a decision to not take this situation. And look at it in light of the sovereignty, and the sufficiency and the wisdom and love of God. And they've decided to interpret it according to their pain, not according to the power and the picture of our great Savior and our King. And at that point, I believe that's when depression begins. That's when we'll see chosen and conscious sorrow.
0: No, that's right. And I, I would also recommend that book by by Daniel Berger, Rethinking Depression. That that brings me to another question is, uh, are there other resources? Certainly that one that I think helps to reframe depression in a in a more biblical sense so that we're not swept away by all of the cultural explanations of these types of feelings and experiences of, of sorrow and, and deep despair. Because they're real things, right? They Absolutely. are real things. And so he helps us to right-size that. Other, other resources that you're, you've thought about?
1: I think that uh, Randy Alcorn's book, If God is Good, now it's very big, comprehensive, but his decision or his insight on moral evil and suffering and how we can process that, I, I just think that's a great tool. Another book is by my mentor, Rich Thompson, The Heart of Man and Mental Disorders. He does a great job in articulating sorrow and how that goes back to the heart of man and the choices that we make. And so I think that's an excellent tool as well.
0: Well, thank you, Nick. This has been really great. And, and I want us to to pay attention to these categories. I think this will enhance our eye in the way in which we see people through the lens of scripture with a with a healthy biblical backdrop and framework. So thank you, brother. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, as we dwindle this year down, it is important for us to pay attention to all the sorrow, getting to winter, and less daylight that happens. I mean, it's difficult for people, and we need to just be more aware, pay attention, as we're helping people walk through, particularly this time of year, some of that difficulty. Now, there are a couple of things that I want to make you aware of as we as we dwindle this year. We've had a running book list that we keep every year of some of the key biblical counseling texts through the year. We've sent that out to you all to vote on, and we have some winners. I'm going to give you the top three biblical counseling books voted on by the public from our social media. In third place is The Gospel for Disordered Lives. This is a new textbook from... Dr. Robert Jones, Rob Green, and Kristen Kellen, and I think you'll enjoy this book as a good introduction to biblical counseling with some practical help. Certainly, uh, this last half of the book is is set up that way. The second book that you recognize is Overcoming Bitterness by Dr. Steve Vyers. and the number one book this year is from Dr. Greg Gifford, Heart and Habits, and I'm thrilled about this book, and I hope that all of you will, will get a copy of this book and, and read it there was so much confusion at one time about Jay Adams being a behaviorist and this sort of thing, and, and, and Greg really helps us to understand the importance of habits without dismissing it. He takes us back to the Puritans and their good use of the issue of, of habits, but not neglecting the heart, and he's weaving those two things together. The beauty of we have to address the heart in biblical counseling, but we also need to be willing, as the Bible does, to address habits that people form. that That is a really important dynamic. And I think Dr. Gifford really brings that out. So congratulations to him. So excited about these books. And man, the Lord is blessing our movement with tremendous resources that are constantly coming out. And so I want you to avail yourself to some of those. And, and these are the top three from 2021, as voted on by you all who follow our social media. And as being the end of the year, I also want to mention that you have opportunity to to donate toward ACBC and to encourage our ministry. If you've enjoyed the podcast, if you've enjoyed the resources that we put out, the blogs and and everything that we do throughout the year to try and encourage churches to equip counselors, to continue to encourage counselors, to be anchored in the scriptures, to help them to be equipped to grow in and wisdom as they minister to their churches. I want to encourage you to to give toward ACBC. Help us to steward well what the Lord entrusts to us as we try and, and equip churches to do this work to those who are broken. You can go to our our website, click on the donate tab, and give us an end of the year gift. And we would be so grateful and so appreciative of your partnership with us. And you can do that if you go to biblicalcounseling.com.